0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. great to have all the house with us this morning, brothers and sisters. Amen. I'm going to have you turn to Matthew chapter 19, starting at verse 27. I want to speak to you this morning about forsaken for my name's sake forsaken for my name's sake. You know, sometimes as the body of Christ, as the church of the living God, as people separated from the world, at least working hard at being great for God, working hard at living the Christian life and separating from some of the things that are displeasing to the Lord, living that Christian life, sometimes it can put us in a place where we feel a bit Forsaken of things In other words separated from things and, and it's tough sometimes And it's a challenge especially in a place Where this church is right now where God is begin to, beginning to elevate us to that new place. How many know that through the course of a, a church body's life, that there are continuous changes, God continues to lift you up and raise you to new places, challenge you to grow, challenge you to take new steps as a Christian person, seeking your walk, seeking your ministry, taking you to new places where you, maybe you don't fall back on some of the old things anymore. Maybe you've, you're, you're getting victories in your life and you're conquering some things that that plagued you for a long time, and and now you've conquered that thing, and you're at that new level with God, you're at that new place with God, and suddenly he begins to work with you, and suddenly, boy, you know, I'm feeling that I need to do something. God's leading me to some uh, Sunday school ministry, or or outreach ministries, or or maybe being involved in life groups, or being a leader to help other people, and so God has that process. He just, he builds us and lifts us. Well, if any of you know anything about leadership, and you know anything about elevating through a corporate structure, the higher you go in your position, the more forsaken you are from the rest of the people, right? The more forsaken you are from the average workers and and, and so on, right? They call it degrees of separation. When you're the top boss, for example, when you're the CEO, you typically don't go down into the crew room and have lunch and sit around and chat with the guys and tell stories about horrible football games that maybe you might have witnessed at some point Recently, you're the CEO, you've got responsibilities, you've got a degree of separation, you're not buddies and pals. When you're the sergeant in the police officer force or you're the captain, you know, there's degrees of separation, there's a forsaking that happens, and sometimes with us, we struggle with that. We struggle with those changes and those things that God's doing to elevate us and to separate us from some of the things that we used to be, and even if those things that we used to be aren't bad, not everything is bad that we used to be, but what we used to be maybe is a what God wants us to be going forward, right? He elevates. He promotes you. It says so in the word of God. You're promoted for him. And so we have that sort of forsaking that goes on, and it's not a terrible thing, but sometimes it can feel a little challenging. It can be odd it can feel different what do we do how are we going to get through this growth period in this new place that God's taking us in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 27 it says this it says then answered Peter and said unto him behold we have forsaken all Peter's talking to Jesus, we've forsaken all. Remember, when when Jesus called those guys, not when he called you, but when he called those guys, he said, forsake everything. You leave your house, drop your nets, leave your buddies, leave your friends, let your your stuff sit there at the seaside, and you follow me. As a matter of fact, Matthew, the person who is writing this, or wrote this, is the one that was the publican sitting at the tax collector's table. He was just sitting there. And Jesus just walked up and said, follow me. And he said, okay. And he just got up and walked off and followed him. Not, who are you? What are you doing here? What about my job? He just followed him. So Peter's uh, vehemently expressing this to God. He says, but we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? In other words, now what's going to happen to us? Anybody here having that thought? Okay. Pastor, we've listened to you ramble on and on about the new place we're going, the new things that are going to happen with the church. We've forsaken some of the old thoughts and the old ways. We stopped coming to church at 9.15 and came at 10 o'clock. Now what's going to happen to us? This is the question that Peter was asking. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, how how many know that means in the renewal, the renewing and the regeneration, the salvation, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, For my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. You can be seated this morning. But listen to his last statement in that passage. In verse 30, he says, But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. What a promise. What an unbelievable statement. I know you've given up your houses, he's saying to Peter. For those of you that have given up your houses and, and your brethren, your sisters, and, and, and all these relations, for my name's sake, you've given up lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold. You'll get way more than you forsake, way more than you've given up, but more so everlasting life. Folks, I want to challenge you that the church of the living God Christian people truly following the word, following the will of God, are in a place of separation right now. It's a decision point. It's profound, isn't it? We're at a decision point whether we're going to hang on to certain pieces of the old life. Again, not everything is bad. But old methods... Old styles, old ways that we got up and didn't pray because we got busy with our work, old ways that we didn't, we didn't witness to that person that God presented in front of us, old ways that we sort of just kind of mailed it in every once in a while, we all do it, we're all flesh, we've all, we've all done that, we're all guilty of those things right? But there's that place where you step up and you say, okay, uh, new level, new devil, they say, right? New place to tackle, new place to challenge. But it's hard. Is you got you to let that thing go. And so in other words, to do that, you got to keep working at it and you create a habit and pretty soon a habit becomes a lifestyle. They say in the world of addiction that first things start with a bad habit and then they turn into an addiction, right? Well, it works the same way. Well, let's get a good habit going and then get addicted to doing those things and leaving the old things behind, the word says. Amen? Because what's the promise to you? If you, you, if you officially separate, if you take this forsaking, now it's talking about houses and brothers and sisters and all of that stuff, and, and, and that forsaking by no means, is, uh, there's nobody in this room that's expecting anybody to call up mom today and say, mom, I can never talk to you again. I'm going to a new place with God. No, we don't do that. The forsaking is, is an idea. The forsaking is a concept within things that held us back from being what God wants us to be in our next step. Taking this thing seriously. You know, there's, there's two kinds of people in the world, two kinds of Christians in the world. One kind of Christian puts God right in the center of his life or her life, and all the other pieces rotate around that. And then there's another kind of Christian in the world that puts some other priority in the center of that, and church is one of the pieces. Faith is one of the pieces. Their walk with God is one of the pieces. I don't think those folks are included in this passage. You see what I'm saying? We're at a decision point time. There's not much time left. Come on, the Lord's coming back. We know it. Look at the world as what it's doing to itself. Look at the things that we're seeing right in front of our eyes. Do you know how close we are to a cashless society? Do you know how close? They're actually, if if you're familiar with PayPal and Venmo and Cash App and some of these electronic apps, you can exchange money with each other. You know that the federal government is now proposing that we begin to start looking at that money. And anything that you gather in those apps and so forth over the course of time that equals $600 within a year, they want to know about it. You see, when you handle things back and forth with cash, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Well, that's a good thing. We can track drug, drug people and, and illegal gun sales and et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying it's not going to be long. Okay? Let's keep going forward a little bit. I don't want to go too far into all that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 10, it says, "Therefore, therefore we both labor and suffer reproach. you know what that means? When we suffer reproach, it means we get challenged about who and what we are. We, we work at this thing. Some of you are working in ministry right now. We have ushers standing back there. We've got Sunday school teachers back teaching Sunday school. We have impact ministries, which is our wonderful greeters and hospitality. We have a guy up here teaching stuff out of the word. We labor together in this thing, but we do suffer reproach. Reproach means people challenge you for who and what you are and what you stand for. But it's a good thing. Listen to what he says going forward. Because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. How many believe that youth in that passage just means your age? No. There's more to it than that. It means your fervor, your energy, your strength. It's talking about your investment into what you're doing. Let nobody challenge you or despise the fact that you're fervently dedicated to living for God. Okay? But be thou an example of the believers in word and in conversation and in charity and in spirit and faith and in purity. These are the separations I'm talking about. These are the things that begin to elevate us. Sometimes we fall into negativity. Sometimes our flesh takes over. We we have a conflict with a person. We have a conflict with a brother or sister in the Lord or a challenge in life. And sometimes the things that are coming out of, of, of our mouths are not words of faith and purity and joy and all of those things. But the more and more that we grow and we separate and we begin to lift and elevate elevate our walk and say, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to go back to that level anymore. And so you create a habit of subduing that spirit in you that's willing to come out and say negative things and be what the Bible calls a murmurer, right? And we defeat that within ourselves and we elevate to something new. A person that always speaks positively, always has something refreshing. I'm preaching later this morning if you decide to hang out for the second part. I'm preaching on joy this morning, joy to the church. There's a really powerful lesson in joy. And so as we separate and we elevate, we suffer reproach. People challenge us. What's with you? What's with this God thing? Are you a Bible thumper now? Oh, I see you go to church. whoop you do? So you're better than me. Not at all. Not at all. I'm better than the old me. I'm not better than anybody else. I just want to be a better me because this is what God wants. And you know what his promise is in, in the book of Matthew? His promise is everlasting life. He says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy, the laying in the hands of the presbytery. What is he talking about? He's talking about the time when you were filled with the Holy Ghost. So that indicates to me then that the infilling of the Holy Ghost don't, you can neglect it first of all you can neglect it's following you can neglect what it means to be full of the Holy Ghost but it's saying neglect not that Holy Ghost that was, that was put into you because it's that Holy Ghost inside you that's going to be the separating factor it's going to be the dividing and the elevating factor in your life and the more that you exercise the Holy Ghost the more that you pray in the Spirit and the more that you and, and, and just get a hold of that and wrap your arms around it that's the, that's the factor that's the thing that will elevate Separate you that will that will create the Forsaking of that old self And that old way as you take it To that new step and don't get comfortable At that new step because guess what there's another one On the way if you're Willing if you're willing to give it All if you're willing to put everything that You've got into finding everything that God has for you and not being Satisfied what I'm talking about this Morning is complacency You know As the job of a shepherd I'm going to talk on myself A little bit here my job is to be a shepherd. Okay. <laughs> it's like, no, you fill the paper towels and the toilet paper and you, you clean the driveway. And Thank you for acknowledging my job is to be the shepherd. And so as the shepherd, now think about this now. When you've got a flock of sheep, I don't care how many it is, 20, 100, whatever it is and you're standing in, 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 in a particular pasture, do you know how fast that even 50 sheep will devour every blade of grass in the area that they stand on? And if you've ever watched sheep, sheep don't move <laughs> on their own. They will go to where the shepherd plants them, they will stand there, and they will eat in a 360-degree circle with as little bit of movement as they possibly can. Come on, I know you're preaching with me. I know you're following me on this. And all of them are standing around doing that. And they're eating, and do you ever watch them? Do you, you ever watch this? Watch a video sometime. This like, say, munch, 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 munch. It's like, do they ever take a breath? And they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat. Well, pretty soon, if they don't move to a new pasture, they're going to eat their way down to the nubs, right? They're going to eat their way down to the roots and the dirt, Okay, now sheep are mammals, and they operate like human beings in a couple key ways. (laughs) They eat, and they drink. So besides nothing but roots and nub and dirt, there's a whole lot of other stuff eventually that would be there, okay? Not trying to be gross. Just draw analogies. Don't try to think of actual pictures, okay? so the sheep are staying in one pasture and they're eating and they're eating and pretty soon the grass is gone and they're down to the nubs and the roots and the dirt and the stuff and so the job of the shepherd is to take that flock and go come on flock it's time to go to the next pasture it's time to go to the next place because The job of the shepherd is to get the sheep to grow. Right? The guy that owns the sheep hires the shepherd and says, hey, I need these these buggers fat. I need them big so that when we go to slaughter and we get all their their wool off of them and stuff, we're going to slaughter them and make some good meat out of them, right? How many know that we're lambs for the slaughter? Amen? So the job of the shepherd is, Let's take that big long stick. It's pointed on one end and it's hooked on the other and it's for jabbing and grabbing ones that wandered the wrong way backwards and pulling them back forward. But it's to keep moving the sheep into new pastures so there's more grass and there's more growth. We're forsaking the old pastures. We're forsaking the old places and we're suffering some reproach for it. But the promise is everlasting life. So as the shepherd then begins to lead, they know his voice, right? The Bible says that the sheep know the shepherd. You know that they used to take all the whole packs of sheep, and they would all go into places like Bethlehem and other places, and and there would be one giant stockade. In a place called the Tower of the Flock, and they would watch over and make sure there weren't wolves and things coming in. they would protect the sheep, but they were all in one stockade, every flock from every shepherd. But do you know, those shepherds would come out of the city from getting their meal and doing their business and, and, and interacting and doing whatever they do? And they would come out and they would stand at the open gate of the sheep, uh, she, excuse me, the open gate of the sheep. And they would stand there to corral, and they would start to call their sheep, and the ones that knew the voice of their shepherd would separate out from that group and they would follow their shepherd because their shepherd has instructions from the owner of the sheep where they're supposed to go next. Come on, that's fun, isn't it? Isn't that a fun story? So if they knew the voice of their shepherd and they were taking that next step, they were ready to go into a new pasture. They just, okay, shepherds call, and they'd follow him out. And so the shepherd would lead into new pastures and he'd take that big old long stick and sometimes you're going over hills and you're going into strange places and there's bushes and, and high grass and, 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 and predators would hang in there and, and uh, uh, things that would hurt the sheep were in there and sometimes there are holes and sometimes there's, there's uh, uh, wolves in there. And so the shepherd would lead that pack as they're hearing his voice, they'd take that long stick and he'd start jabbing it into those bushes and into those clearings and see what's in there and if there was something in there he'd fight it off and then he'd lead the sheep into the next pasture in 1st Timothy chapter 6 Paul's writing to his friend he says fight the good fight of faith and lay hold onto eternal life Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul talking about there? This charge that has been given us. See, Timothy was a pastor. He was a pastor that Paul raised up and mentored. And he's saying, I'm giving thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth things, all things. In other words, he gives life to everything. And before Jesus, who Pontius Pilate witnessed the confession, keep this commandment without spot or unrebukable in appearing of the Lord. In other words, everything, every charge that we've been given, give them the charge and lead and do it without hesitation, do it without fear, do it without uh, apprehension whatsoever. Lead the people into what I've got for them to do. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Now I'm just going to give you some pieces in there for the sake of time. I'm just going to give you some pieces. In 1 Peter chapter 4, I'll start at verse 7, and I'll, I'll skip down. So if you're turning to that right now, just keep that whole chapter open. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 7, says, But the end of all things is at hand. That's pretty powerful terminology. I think I just alluded to that a moment ago. The end of all things is at hand, but be ye therefore sober, separate, Sobriety is not a popular thing in the world today, by the way. Oh, you're one of them pastors who tells people they can't drink. Bible doesn't say don't drink. just says don't get drunk. I'd like to meet the first person who's had a habit of taking of alcohol and has never, ever been inebriated and also has the complete controllability of when his body leaves the position of sobriety and enters into inebriation. I'd like to meet that person. I'd like to see that person that can play with that kind of fire and never get burned. Sobriety is not popular. This world is drowning in methods and and opportunities to inebriate ourselves. And it's not just substances, by the way. It's not just alcohol and drugs and things that you can smoke and inject. We're, We're inebriated with social media. We're inebriated with Hollywood. We're inebriated with all forms of things that enter into our eyes and our ears and our mouths. Sobriety is not a popular thing. but isn't, So isn't it interesting that Peter, this is 1 Peter, so this is real close to the end of the book. Not too many more if we get into Revelation and then all of that stuff after 1 Peter, right? But isn't it interesting, he leads it out and he says, Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves fervent charity. You know what charity there means? Love. Fiery. Watch out for that. It's falling down. means fiery love. Fiery. That means passionate love for one another, not inappropriate, brotherly love. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. In other words, failures, falling. That kind of passionate love, that kind of passionate desire to serve one another and to live Brotherly amongst one another and to live godly and to serve God and to have a passionate, fervent uh, uh, desire to serve the way God wants to serve eliminates a lot of things from that old self that we're trying to separate from, the things that we're trying to forsake from, that old level person, the one that was down here just a little while ago, that person that was here. And if you develop that fervent love and that fervent charity for one another and that fervent passion for the church and for the ministry and for what God's got for you, suddenly there's a step up and then there's another step up coming right behind it Down to verse 12 it says beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, when you take those steps up, when you start to commit to God in a way that's new to you and new to other people around you, your behavior changes, your countenance changes, your pastor and the people around you are going to go, wow, awesome, the people that aren't around you that don't know that and don't understand those things are going to go, whoa, that's weird. And they're going to challenge you because it's going to spook them, it's going to scare them a little bit. Who are you? What did you do with my brother? Right? And so we, we hang on a little bit because we don't want to do that. We don't want to, want to settle the people around us and we don't want to look different and weird and we don't want to suddenly be some Well, that person knows me. He knows what I was like back then. I can't all of a sudden be portrayed that I'm something different. Wrong. That's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to be afraid that they're going to stand there and say, and, and that you're going to suffer reproach and they're going to say, oh yeah, yeah, okay, Mr. Christian guy, I remember seeing you at the bar the other day, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. I knew what kind of mouth you had on you. All of a sudden, you're going to tell me you're speaking love. Come on, right? But it says in verse 13, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, in other words, when he comes back for us, you're going to be glad also with exceeding joy if you be reproached for the name of Christ. Happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. On their part, for on their part, he's evil spoken of, and they do, and it's unfortunate, and they will, and the world will continue to do that. But on your part, he's glorified. Skipping down to verse 16, it says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God on his behalf. For the time is come. Now listen to this, the most important part of this passage. For the time is come that judgment must come begin at the house of God. And if it is first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? You see how worth it it is For us to consider taking that next level, that next place, extending ourselves a little bit, take a little bit of a risk, submit to the Lord, and and he shall redeem you, right? It's time to take that step, it's time to separate, it's time to say, I am a Christian, I'm not better than anybody. I'm still broken. I've still got problems. I'm still wrapped in frat flesh. I'm just like everybody else that surrounds me except one different thing. I'm trying real hard. I'm attending my services. I'm seeking God. I'm engaging in prayer. I'm reaching out to my friends. I'm doing the things that help me get better. And whatever reproach and whatever forsaking that you suffer for that, it's all counted joy. I'll close with this this morning, Philippians chapter two, one through 18. I'm gonna read just right through real quickly. I just want, this is such a powerful passage. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there's any, any consolation for dealing with all of this stuff, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye me, excuse me, fulfill ye me, my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love being of one accord and of one mind. is talking about unity. How many can repeat Wednesday night, what is the currency of revival? Anybody? The currency of revival is unity. Being of one mind, of one accord, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Don't do what you're about to do. Don't take that new step. Don't get to that new place. Don't step up to that new level. Fighting over it or looking for a pat on the back. But in, be, but in lowliness of mind, let each, each of us esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things. Don't be selfish, but every man on the things of others. Help them with their things. Help them with what they're doing. What can I do to help you get where you need to be? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, And was made in the likeness of men. You understand what that said right there, right? God made a decision. The God of the universe made a decision to take on the form. It says, He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's not two separate dudes up there having a conversation and one goes and one doesn't. That's the God of the universe who decided to robe himself in flesh and come and be in the likeness of men. Why? So he could understand the infirmities that we feel and the temptations that we feel. Verse 8 says, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If Jesus Christ can step down and humble himself, The God of the universe, robed in flesh, wrapped in flesh, walking amongst us, can humble himself in obedience to the plan and then offer eternal salvation to us. How much more should we be willing to humble ourselves and take that step? Separate, step up, new place. Verse 9 says, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every thing in, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, this is Paul talking now, not just when I'm around, but you've obeyed all the time, but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation oh my goodness just start at Washington D.C. and head west among whom you shine as lights in the world. When you step out of this building and you shine the light of Jesus and you show in joy, even in rebuke, even in, in forsakenness, even in reproach, you bear a smile and something special that's inside you. You're a light. You're a light to the people that have to look at Washington and have to look at the world and pandemics and evil and all the harm and the horrible things that are happening around them. You're a light. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I may have not run in vain neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith I joy and rejoice with you all for the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. It's an awesome final word you can stand this morning I challenge you church I challenge you this morning God what's my new level what's my new place what new commitment can I make what's displeasing to you what's not working real well and it's not the place you want me to be what can I do to serve in my church serve in my leadership but most of all serve in my community Have I just sat at the table and sat at the banquet and dined and dined and dined? Have I just stayed in the same pasture for years and years and just eaten of the same grass and and now I'm down to the nubs and the dirt and, God forbid, the other stuff? Have I been there? Am I there right now? Is it time to move to a new pasture? Just ask Him this morning, amen. Lord, we thank you, God, for your precious word. I thank you for these wonderful, precious people, hearts desirous to serve you in every way. Lord, I know that right now you're taking Abundant Life to new places, new pastures. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at two six two nine six five five one seven seven, or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.